Hi everyone, welcome to the Unity Podcast brought to you by Unibridge. I'm Yun Cheng, your host for today. In our last episode, we spoke with Selena, a junior at Harvard, and left off with her experience at the Harvard College China Forum. Let's jump right in to listen to her story. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So this forum, right, it's like a once a year kind of thing, or it's once a year kind of thing, right? Yes. And maybe you can tell the audience like um, some of your more um, memorable experiences or some of the people that you never thought that you have ever met. <laughs> right. And, <yeah. laughs> yes. So, um, so it's a once a year thing. It usually happens in April. I mean, um, so I'm not in the organizing team this year. Mm. I'm guessing, right. And, um, and it's this year, I think it's happening like in China, but it will be remote and virtual for the rest of the world. But usually every year it happens in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Or sometimes mm-hmm. even on Harvard campus, like it's very spread out, and it's a three-day affair. And it's the world's largest student-run conference on China, mm-hmm. and um, usually pre-COVID times, it attracts like um, over a thousand attendees and over a mm-hmm. hundred speakers. So it's a huge thing, and mm-hmm. usually you have three keynote ceremonies: the welcoming, opening, closing. Um, they're live streamed globally, and then mm-hmm. um, you also have like a speakers gala where you, the organizing team gets to interact with the speakers, and the speakers mm-hmm. get to interact with each other. And then um, you have over like around 10 panels, I would say, and some um, even more fireside chats on various topics, including like, for instance, US-China relations, trade war, mm-hmm. um, new retail, healthcare, um, everything like tech, startups, blah, mm-hmm. blah, finance, investments, venture capital, everything. So um, each year, the topic is obviously different. And then um, I guess in terms of like my experiences there, Freshman year, I was a programming associate. So from the beginning, I knew I wanted to join the programming committee. So the programming committee is not about computer programming. It's about like, <laughs> like content mm-hmm. programming. So you program mm-hmm. the content of the conference, including who are the speakers to invite, how do you reach out to them, how to get them to come, what are the topics that they should discuss, who should, um, like, what are the questions that should be asked, what is the exact, like, um, like I guess, like, topic of the moment in terms of buzzwords of the industry and then you formulate mm-hmm. all of that and then i was in charge of in my freshman year the cultural panel panel mm-hmm. and that was very much about the chinese cultural industry in terms of um, intellectual property um the emerging mm-hmm. film space that's self, self-publishing online which is like absolutely exploding and in terms of how there was a totally like very very vibrant like kind of like uh cultural landscape that was burgeoning mm-hmm. in china and um Previously, I didn't know anyone personally in China in that field, but mm. somehow through, like, I guess the help of, like, everyone else in the forum, including, like, the presidents back then, and also, like, you know, my programming, like, leaders, and then also the Harvard China Forum Network, we somehow got a very cool slate of Chinese speakers to come from, like, um, Fang Wenshan Lao Shi, who I'm not sure if you know, he's, like, the lyricist mm-hmm. for Zhou Zielun, like, Jay Cho. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, like, oh, holy, and, okay. I mean, you can kind of tell by the fact that I tried auditioning for Jumbo Haushening. I love <laughs> Joe Zelo. Like, Jimmy is, I'm, like, a fan for life. So when I saw Fawai Shan Lao I was like, <gasps> I, like, probably, like, kind of oh internally God. combusted. But, like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was very, very cool. <laughs> and then um, there was also, like, um, Chen Tzu Fan Sen Chan, who's a very famous science fiction writer. Um, there is, who's, like, what's that going to be adapted into, like, film and TV. That was a very mm-hmm. famous, like, CEO of this um, TV production company that did, like, mm-hmm. very cool variety shows in China. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the editor of, like, South China Morning Post, which is more of, like, journalism. That mm-hmm. was also the um, founder and CEO of um, this, like, 
online literature company. So online literature is like a very new phenomenon, like very new phenomenon for the rest of the world, but very old mm-hmm. phenomenon in China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> mm-hmm, so yeah, yeah. So there was like um something like that. And then um am I missing anyone? Yeah, there were a lot of oh, and there was like uh, a very famous TV director called Li Lu, who back then in that year filmed just happened to finish like you know doing the top rated TV series of that year in China, which was Reming the mm-hmm. called In the Name of People. It was a it was a very cool drama, and I actually watched it before I went to college. Mm-hmm. So I when I met him, I was like, oh okay. So it was like <laughs> a very cool panel, and it was, like over five hundred people attended just that panel alone. I mean, the rest mm-hmm. of the conference had more people, right? And it was just like. I think for me, it kind of cemented my interest, like, first and foremost. And I was just like, it was amazing who you get to come into contact with as a freshman. Mm. So, like, you know, like, I talked to them, met them personally. Some I picked up from the airport. And, like, yeah, it was just a very individual and, like, intimate experience. And then when you see mm-hmm. all of them come together in a panel to discuss some of the topics that I was very, pa- I, like, still very passionate about. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and, like, for everyone else, you know, attending to feel like, wow, this is something that's very special. I think that for me, to be able to be part of the effort that put, put it together and to see how mm-hmm. it happened, it was very cool. And then I continued the club, no surprise. Um, The next year, I was the programming chair, so I was the head of the comedy. So this time, I was overseeing everyone else, like, who were doing different panels. And it was more big mm-hmm. picture. So I didn't get to do like panel of my own, right? But you get to mm-hmm. see how other people did their panels and stuff, um, including helping them to shape their panels. How do you get people to come? Who should be the speakers? How on earth do we get in touch with these speakers? Mm-hmm. Who can we leverage from the network? And stuff like that. And then also deciding the topics that were the best to be discussed. So you have mm-hmm. to compare it and embed it within like the US-China competition and see mm-hmm. what topics really matter. And um, so a lot of speakers... I remember one personal experience was we got Kevin Rudd, who is the former Prime Minister of Australia. And wow. he's also mm-hmm. the, I think he's the, like, the chairman of the Asia like Policy Institute, which is like mm-hmm. a pretty big thing, like part of Asia society. And then um, for him, I remember like, because um, we had the help of different people to be able to get him to come. And then mm-hmm. I was actually on the car when we picked him up from the airport and they had a conversation and it was just mm-hmm. very cool. <laughs> like what (laughs) like (laughs) so um so i think that was that was like you know that's an example Mm -hmm. of someone else who i never mentioned being able to interact with personally Mm -hmm. and then um it was a huge it was i think it's very different when you're a programming chair and seeing all the patterns come together because there's something Mm -hmm. i can track the big picture and like the the various keynote ceremonies as well and where you see like thousands of people and you're like, oh my God, everything, please go smoothly. So that mm-hmm. was my experience um, second year. And then third year, I was the, still the programming chair, but I was also part of the, like, I don't know, the executive committee. So I was a chief strategy officer. So a lot mm-hmm. more of it was like the strategic vision. And back, and at that point, I think it was quite a tumultuous moment between um, US-China relations and Trump. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, it was a lot more about who do we invite to talk about this topic? how do we not make it too politically sensitive for Harvard's mm-hmm. sake and things like that. So it required more of that strategic balance. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was very, like, I think it's, it's very interesting, like, you know, starting from your own panel, um, how to do like, you know, keeping in mind the entire content of the conference mm-hmm. to like, oh, how do you also balance in mind the strategy and the strategic vision, the strategic communications and the strategic content. So yeah, all the things that I'm very interested in and, I think I've only told you like, you know, the tip of the iceberg in terms of what I've learned from the conference. But mm. it taught me so much in terms of how to do something like that, like an event this big, um, how to be able to build something from scratch, like, you know, like a panel, um, how to 
try to like you know be a leader within a team too i think it's helping many many different lessons and most of all about china wow that's amazing you know right there's there has been this one question that is lingering at the back of my mind how do you guys manage to reach out to all of these people <laughs> yeah I, know. I was quite yeah i um i think one of it is um like like the definitely the harvard china farm network because you have mm-hmm. a very strong network within china of like various speakers like chinese speakers mm-hmm. then the other one is to build a new like you know new network within the u.s based on former speakers but also like new people they reach out to so we have a lot of like apart from like the chat people we know already but mm-hmm. you also do a lot of cold emails and like you know like trying to get them and stuff like that one is leveraging on the mm-hmm. harvard network like the mm-hmm. alumni network one's also leveraging on your personal connections one's also leveraging on the um i would say like the Harvard faculty like who do they know like if a faculty member wants to come he's like actually i think my friend is good for the dialogue right and they're like mm-hmm. yeah please get your friend right so like so that's that's mm-hmm. something else too so it's, it's i think it's all part of the platform right because a lot of people do want to speak at Harvard and to be able to have a dialogue, for instance, with Harvard professors or with other mm-hmm. speakers. So it's like, you know, I think it's quite quite a powerful effort each year to actually mm-hmm. bring all of them together. And it's somehow like, you know, some people come for different reasons. Yeah, but in the end, as long as you can bring all of them together and they all coalesce, then like, yeah, when you look at it in the end, in retrospect, you're like, wait, how did this happen? You don't actually know. Yeah, but in the process, mm-hmm. it's kind of like very stressful. But by the end, it's like, oh, it seems like, yeah, of course they will come. But no, every year you start a new, it's like, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, a, that's amazing. Um, actually, right, um, now that we are on the topic of, you know, um, your, your clubs and society, maybe we can actually delve deeper into um, your other internship, which is, uh, the CNN one that we mentioned at the start I'm sure a lot of people will be very interested you know because y- you especially interned with um, Farid Zakaria who's a very famous journalist in CNN yeah maybe you can share um, more about that experience mm-hmm. so okay so okay if you guys are interested in an in-depth like you know account of the experience um, I actually wrote about it on my blog like specifically how I found the entire internship experience to be was way do, do you want to maybe plug your your um blog like website link okay so my name is Selena and it's s-e-l-i-n-a then x-u selena shu.com so s-e-l-i-n-a-x-u.com so that's my blog feel free to follow like you know each of the like my dear readers and um I think when you look through the archives at the Chronicle, you can probably find the post itself about CNN and it's probably way more detailed than what I can see now. But in terms of the CNN experience, um, first it was in New York. So that in itself was very cool and very special because I've never lived completely on my own, like even without a host family in a foreign city, like on mm. a college campus. So for two months I was in New York and then... Um, CNN was at Hudson Yards, so that was kind of like I think 10th Avenue-ish, and then at about like 50-something Street, and then it was a totally brand new office, and then mm-hmm. um, they actually have about I think around 50 interns across all the departments and all the TV programs, and you know they have many, many, many like Anderson Cooper mm-hmm. and stuff. So for me, mine was like Fred's Akari GPS, and GPS stands for Global Public Square, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure like you know how many of you have like watched the show, but personally, it's like a it's a very, very cool show because you actually have Farid talking to um, various kinds of guests 
on the topics that matter the most of that week. And it airs every Sunday. And it's um it's somewhat like a talk show and a round table discussion, but also free mm-hmm. off its own take um on like, you know, the world's news at the very beginning and at the very end. And um if you are like an international politics lover, you love it because you kind of get to see behind the scenes um very much about what are the news items of the week, what should get covered. Back then in those two months in 2019, it was around the time of the G20 summit between US China, how that might resolve the trade war or no. Um, mm-hmm. It was also when Trump like crossed, like I think the 38th parallel to shake hands with Kim Jong-un. So that was like something mm-hmm. else that was big. It was also around the time when the JCPOA negotiation thing, I think kind of like, if I'm not wrong, like uh, it fell apart. And then mm. like you know, the whole idea of like Iran. So there were like some of the major things that were happening um, each of those weeks. And because it's a weekly news show, you don't do breaking news. What you're doing is actually a deep dive, right? Like you have to mm. think about what are the like, you know, news events that matter, like and how how you can approach them from a deeper and more unconventional angle, having a week's time in retrospect. But also the longer term like news arcs, right? Of like these stories that have taken time to ferment and how they have managed to play out over the course of a few months and what's new now. So it's it's quite different, I would say, from like the conventional kind of like, you know, like morning or like um, like nighttime, like news TV. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, these are the news of the day and stuff. So I really like that because there's a lot more analysis and nuance that's possible and you get to mm-hmm. pick up stories that have been suddenly forgotten by the news cycle. And um, being able to work with the team, right? Like the entire Farid Zakaria production team, um, seeing how Farid uh, does his news, like how he records stuff, uh, helping to welcome the guests who came to the studio, including one of my, like someone I really, really admire called Ian Bremer. I'm not sure how many of you know him. He's the, mm-hmm. I think, founder and president of the Eurasia Group, but he also writes for like Time and like, um, yeah, he's a great thinker on like international mm-hmm. politics. So when I met him, I was like, holy, <laughs> okay, I've seen that a lot. But like, yeah, yeah. And like, I remember like my fellow intern, so there's another intern. Um, um, so he, when he, I think he was in the same um, uh, elevator with like uh, the foreign, who was it? With the, the ambassador from Iran. And like, he was like, oh my God, how to make elevator small talk. So it was like a lot of like random episodes like that. But I would say like mm-hmm. on the whole, what I liked the most about it was learning about the TV production process to know mm-hmm. how exactly to pitch news ideas. And a few of my pitches actually got picked by Farid himself to be mm-hmm. produced, right? Because he picks. And then I was just like really, really, really surprised when like they were picked. And to see them actually being like, you know, adapted and then produced mm-hmm. on air was a very cool experience. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I think one of it was about like robots and like automation. Another was about, mm-hmm. um, I think, the WTO. And did mm-hmm. you know Singapore was like, back then on the WTO, um, a developing country, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. <laughs> so it was a bit, uh, that was a brief rap about that between Trump and China, because mm-hmm. China's also a developing country. So at the time, mm-hmm. like you learn many different things about that. And then you try to pitch it from um, a new angle. And then um, also, I think the whole experience of being in such a global and influential media company and mm-hmm. uh, working on projects with people from other teams, because the interns actually work cross-departmentally to do an intern project. Um, that would be presented in front of CNN executives. So, like, mm-hmm. my team presented on podcasts and the podcast <laughs> and how mm-hmm. it's going to be, like, a major trend for millennials and Gen Zs because people, mm-hmm. like, you know, the trend for audience. And we would say making a pitch about how CNN needs to enter the space. And back then, like, the CNN CEO, um, Jeff Zucker, who's also mm-hmm. a Harvard alum, he was like, actually, we should totally do that. So he endorsed the idea and we are like, yes. So, wow. yeah. so mm-hmm. I think 
all of that was part of it. And being in New York, um, I think after work, like I was in walking distance from the office, I would go back. I would sometimes like meet up with friends. I would often also, if I had nothing to do, go to Broadway and watch a show, like <laughs> even by myself. Like I would just go and watch that. And it was just very, very cool. Being That's like the best York. part of New York. <laughs> right. Like going to yeah, exactly. Broadway to go to museums, yeah. um, you know, just to walk. It's a very great like city. So there's no way I would be getting lost, I see. And like, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it. And it was very, I think like, you know, a very independent summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Actually, now that you have shared so much of your experience in Harvard, right, let's talk about your gap semester. So currently, you know, you are back in Singapore. How has that been like for you, you know, transitioning back from, you know, your exciting experience back in Harvard and then suddenly being confined in this, uh, you know, in, in, in your house and like, or just being in Singapore in general? Like, how, how was that transition like for you? Actually, it was like, like uh pretty okay i'd say like okay this okay like even though i sound like kind of like very adventurous or something or like very extroverted i'm actually pretty much like you know a very homebody also because you know like i do like to like have the space to like read and write and think and Mm. i'm very close to my family and it has been quite rare for me to have um time to spend with them for prolonged mm-hmm. periods of time. And I and I actually, okay, I don't get homesick very intensely on campus, but every time I, like, leave Changi Airport, like, when I to, to fly, right, like, deep oh. into departure, I, like, cry. But then I get, okay. I'm fine mm-hmm. when I land in America. But, like, that mm-hmm. moment of farewell is always, like, you know, under a set. So mm-hmm. it was really nice to come back and to be at home. So at first, obviously, it was a bit debilitating, right? Because I was like, oh, my God, I have to do classes um, across various time zones. And I don't like using Zoom to do seminars. It's very, very, uh, I personally feel, a lot of people disagree. But, like, for humanities seminars, you literally have to be there to talk to them. And, like, it's so weird mm-hmm. to try to do office hours with a professor, like, Zoom on Zoom. Like, oh, my God, like, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, so I think, um like the professors did the best they could and like it was a bit weird doing classes at like 2am or something but Mm -hmm. like you know it was about like a month left so I could handle that and then when it ended I kind of already knew like if it was going to be the same in like the subsequent semester in the fall I don't think I wanted to do it and I was Mm -hmm. trying to push the idea of a gap and then um also because I came back to Singapore in March and the situation in the US was really intensifying um Mm -hmm. What like the internship that I was hoping to do um in Washington DC um required that I fly back to the US and mm. then I thought about it and discussed it with my parents and it was like yeah I don't think I can do that because it's really dangerous and then mm-hmm. for safety and like you know personal health issues mm-hmm. I was like okay so I decided not to do that internship so I stayed in Singapore mm-hmm. and then it occurred to me since I have this time like this entire summer which literally got freed up because of COVID right mm-hmm. like. And it's kind of like a like a very, very rare event, like to have like an entire free summer where you actually don't have to personally feel extremely like guilty on your own that I'm not doing anything, <laughs> yeah. right? So I was like, wait, if I have an entire free up summer, what should I do? And then, okay, the okay, okay. The premise of this is that I have already had been working on a novel idea since 2019 when I was in mm. New York. And I was very inspired by people I was meeting there. And I had the idea of um to think about what the future of entertainment would look like. And I also had a New York roommate who was obsessed with BTS <laughs> and like, <laughs> like very into the kind of new technologies of like, how do you interact um, with idols? And I was just very inspired mm-hmm. by all that. And kind of also from like VC, right? Like when you 
uh, encounter new technologies in China about that. So those things were synthesizing. And then um, before COVID, um, I took a fiction workshop, an advanced fiction workshop, the same professor who taught me my freshman year called Claire Masu. To find out more about Selena's journey of writing and publishing a novel, do stay tuned for the next episode of our podcast. And to our audience, if you'd like to hear more of these stories, be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of Unity. And if you'd like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas, do feel free to join our UniBridge community on Telegram. You can find the links to our Telegram, Instagram and LinkedIn in our podcast description. So be sure to check them out. We'll see you guys again in the next episode of our podcast. Bye! Thank you.